Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks so much for joining us here for episode 357 with Hal Elrod. Hal is an expert at morning habits and the ones that make the big difference in terms of becoming high-performing and the finer points on how to execute them just right. So you'll learn one, approaches for silence that generate new ideas, two, how not to do affirmations, and three, the impact of even tiny amounts of exercise. So if you want to take a look at the show notes or the transcript or the links to items we've referenced, it's on over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F357. Now here's Hal's story. Hal is one of the highest rated keynote speakers in America and creator of one of the fastest growing and most engaged online communities in existence and author of one of the highest rated best-selling books in the world, The Miracle Morning, which has been translated into 27 languages, has over 2,000 five-star Amazon reviews, and is practiced daily by over a half million people in over 70 countries. So thanks to Hal for spending some time with us, and thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. Working remotely can be a challenge, especially for teams that are new to it. How do you deal with your work environment being the same as home while staying connected and productive? And then there's your newest coworker, the cat. Well, your friends at Trello have been powering remote teams globally for almost a decade. At a time when teams must come together more than ever to solve big challenges, Trello's here to help. Trello, part of Atlassian's collaborative suite, is an app with an easy-to-understand visual format plus tons of features that make working with your team functional and just plain fun. Trello keeps everyone organized and on the same page, helping teams communicate, focus, and connect. Teams of all shapes and sizes at companies like Google, Fender, Costco, and likely your favorite neighborhood coffee shop all use Trello to collaborate and get work done. Try Trello for free and learn more at Trello.com. That's T-R-E-L-L-O.com. Trello.com. Here is Hal. Hal, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Pete, I'm feeling awesome at my job of being a podcast guest right now. So let's do this. Oh, cool. Well, you're off to a great start with the enthusiasm. <laughs> you got it. Well, I also hear that you're enthusiastic about UFC. What's the story here? Yeah, it's kind of funny because I'm like the most nonviolent UFC fan I think that there is. Um, so yeah, for those that don't know, UFC is Ultimate Fighting Championship. And if I would have ever turned on the TV and saw two guys fighting, I don't think I ever would have gotten pulled in. Um, in 2004, Four, I think it was. I uh, I was I just turned on the TV on Spike TV, and the reality show, The Ultimate Fighter. Which, for those of you who don't know, it's this is actually how the UFC turned. They were a failing company, and they turned themselves around by putting uh, fighters in in a reality show. It was like the real world meets UFC fighting, where fighters lived in a house together for six weeks, and they competed in a tournament where they're fighting each other and they're sharing rooms with each other. Um, and, uh, and, and I just, I got really connected to the storyline of the, of the fighters. And, uh, and then I actually cared about what they were going, going to do. And then fast forward, you know, I've been a fan now for gosh, 13 years or so. And, uh, and now it's just, it's two, two people that are, uh, or I mean, the people that are competing in UFC, they have to master seven or eight different fighting disciplines. There's no other sport, you know, in basketball, you just master basketball, right? In UFC, it's it's you've got to be proficient, not proficient. You've got to be excellent in wrestling and excellent at jujitsu and excellent at karate and excellent at boxing and excellent at all these different styles. I don't think I've ever actually, you know, watched a full hour of UFC programming before. 
I mean, I'm impressed by what these athletes do. I mean, they are fit and in great shape. Yeah. I've just, I, <laughs> I just hurt watching it. So I think I turn away. It's like, ow. And then I find something yeah, that, else. These athletes, I mean, you literally at, at the top level in the UFC, essentially, you've got to be as good as Michael Jordan at basketball. And while you're as good as Jordan at basketball, you have to be as good at, you know, Tiger Woods at golf. And so these guys train, you know, they'll train. I mean, they basically train 12 hours a day. You know, mm. six to 12 hours a day. Um, and they're training, you know, Monday is, you know, they do wrestling for three hours and then they do boxing for three hours. And then Tuesday, right. It's, it, yeah. it's, just, it's just crazy to have to train, not just one sport, but, but, you know, seven or eight. And that is why their physiques are striking. It's like that yeah. person is among the fittest that I've beheld. And their cardio. I mean, to, to, to compete at that level and do that. But the funny part is that I'm nonviolent a lot of times in a match, it'll get too violent for me. Like, I love the sport. I love the storyline. I appreciate the athletes. But yeah, when it gets bloody and stuff, which it does sometimes, I'm like, ah, I'm like, it's funny. I'm a huge fan, but I don't like when they hurt each other. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's good. Well, well, it's funny. And that's kind of one of your things. As like, you are such a positive guy and yeah. talking about sort of potential and possibility and how to unlock that and, you know, largely in terms of, you know, getting the momentum going through morning routines. And so I'd love it if you could give us maybe the short version of your incredible story about how you got into morning routines and to become such a believer, like what happened in your life yeah. that sparked this. I usually frame the story by saying I've, I've had a few rock bottoms in my life and those kind of were each one was the catalyst for a, a, a different component of, of, you know, my life's work today. And, and, and let me start by just saying to define a rock bottom, it's, it's something that we've all had. We've had many of them. We'll have more of them. And I define a rock bottom as simply a moment in time, a moment in your life, a moment of adversity that is beyond what you've experienced before. So I don't compare one person's rock bottom to another and say, well, mine's worse than yours or yours is worse than hers. Or, you know, um, it's, it's, it's relative to who you are at any given moment in time. So like when you were, when I was in elementary school and my girlfriend broke up with me. We'd been going out for two weeks. That was a rock bottom for me. Like that, I was heartbroken. I couldn't imagine going to school anymore. Even you know, like life was over relative to who I was at the time. Right. So the major rock bottoms I had uh, when I was 19 years old, I was one of, um, one of the top sales reps for Cutco Cutlery mm -hmm. and not, I never considered myself a salesperson, but a buddy of mine, got me into the, you know, give this a chance. I'm like, eh, I'll try it, you know, just to get you off my back. Um, and 10 days into the career, I broke the company record. And that, you know, I sent me on a path of like, oh, maybe I'm not this mediocre, you know, person I've been my whole life. Maybe I could do something, you know, extraordinary. And I went on to break all these records. Well, a year and a half into the company uh, that I was working with them, I was giving a speech at one of their events. And after my speech, driving home in, in a, a brand new Ford Mustang and bought my first new car a few weeks prior, uh -huh. uh, I was hit head on by a drunk driver at 70 to 80 miles per hour. And then my car spun off the drunk driver. Another car hit me from the side directly in my door at 70 miles an hour and instantaneously broke 11 of my bones. My femur broke in half. My pelvis broke three separate times. My humerus bone behind my bicep broke in half. My elbow was shattered. My eye socket was shattered. And ruptured lung, punctured, punctured lung, ruptured spleen, so on and so forth. And I actually clinically, I was dead. I clinically, uh, I was found dead at the scene. 
And uh, I died for six minutes, was in a coma for six days, and was told by doctors that I would never walk again. And I uh, came out of the coma, and three weeks later, took my first step and went on to, uh, you know, fully recover and walk again. And that was really the, the turning point for me there was I decided maybe I meant to do more than just stay in sales because I was going to stay with the company forever. I love the company. And um, I decided maybe I meant to do more. And I'd always wanted to be a, a professional keynote speaker, uh, Pete, because I had been speaking at all these, you know, these conferences for my company. And I thought, man, I would love this for a living. There's these people like Tony Robbins and, you know, these people, they, they like, this is what they do. I would love that. It'd be like a dream come true. And I had this kind of, I don't know if you call it an epiphany or just a realization. I thought maybe that's why I'm going through this experience. You know, they say everything happens for a reason, but I, I'm a firm believer that it's our responsibility to choose the reasons. It's not predetermined. It's not fate. It's not out of our control. Something bad can happen. You can say this happens because life's unfair and, you know, there is no God. And it, I mean, you can find all sorts of reasons why anything happens. Or you can say what I did. I went, maybe I'm supposed to learn from this and grow from this and then and take this head on so that I can learn how to teach other people to take their adversity head on. And that's what I did. And I launched that into a speaking career. And then fast forward and kind of bringing it to what, what led into morning rituals. In 2008, when the US economy crashed, I crashed with it. Uh, I lost over half of my coaching clients. I was a coach at the time. Half my income in 2008. Um, couldn't pay my mortgage. I lost my house. I canceled my gym membership. Uh, I, my body fat percentage tripled in six months. It was just this real six month downward spiral and a sequence of events led me to go on a run and listen to an audio from Jim Rohn. Oh, Jim Rohn. The great Jim Rohn. I love the music in his voice. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Jim Rohn, this is the quote that he said on that run. And, and this, this quote changed my life faster than I ever thought possible. And it really is the catalyst for the miracle morning. And he said, your level of success will seldom exceed your level of personal development. Because success is something you attract by the person you become. And in that moment, I went, I'm not dedicating time every day to my personal development. Therefore, I'm not becoming the person that I need to be to create the success that I want in my life. And I had this epiphany that I got to go figure out what the world, I'm going to run home and figure out what the world's most successful people do for their personal development. And I'm going to find the best personal development practice, you know, in the history of humanity or best, best known to man. And I'm going to do that. And I didn't know what it was going to be. And I ran home and I Googled, you know, best personal development practices of millionaires, billionaires, CEOs, you know, Olympians, you name it. And I had a list of six different practices and they were all timeless. They had all been practiced for centuries. Right. And I, uh, you know, I almost went, well, none of these are new. And I think we're really conditioned our society to look for the new, right? Mm -hmm. we want the new app, you know, the new movie, the new season on Netflix, right? We just, we want new, 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 new. We're all new. And you got to update the app like every month. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I almost dismissed these. I'm like, ah, these are like, these are timeless. Right? It's almost really silly. You know, when you really translated, you could say, these are the practices that the world's most successful people have been doing for centuries. I want something new. Right? <laughs> like, makes no sense. And so the epiphany, I finally went, wait a minute. I got it. I don't, you know, this is what successful people do. I don't do these. And then, and then the real epiphany was, which one of these am I going to do? And then the I went, wait, what if I did all of these? What if I woke up 
tomorrow morning an hour earlier because that was the only time I could find it, figure out my schedule to add an hour. You know, I was I was working all day trying to, you know, not lose my house, which didn't didn't work. I lost my house, but I was just trying to stay alive, stay afloat. And I had I didn't feel like I had any extra time. And so the only even though I wasn't a morning person, I thought, you know what, if I want my life to improve, I got to improve. I got to wake up an hour earlier and I got to do one of these six practices. And the epiphany was, what if I did all of them? What if I woke up tomorrow morning an hour earlier and I did the six most timeless proven personal development practices in the history of humanity? And I woke up the next day. I did them. I sucked at all of them. And we, we can talk about what the practices are. But I didn't know how to do, you know, that one is meditation. I didn't know how to meditate. I didn't know how to do any of these things really well. So I was, I was really terrible at all of them. But one hour into it, my very first day, my very first hour of what is now called the Miracle Morning. It didn't have a name back then. I felt incredible. I felt confident for the first time in six months. I felt energized. I felt motivated. I felt like I had clarity. And I really, I, the, the realization is if I start every day like this, where I become a better version of the person I was that went to bed the night before, and I do this consistently day after day after day after day, it is only a matter of time before I become the person that I need to be that can create the success that I want, any level that I want, in any and every area of my life. And I thought it would be six to 12 months. It was less than two months that I more than doubled my income. I went from being in the worst shape of my life physically to committing to run a 52 mile ultra marathon. I had never run more than a mile before. And my depression went away within a couple of days. And because my life changed so dramatically and so quickly, I started calling it my miracle morning. And the kind of the rest is history, you know? And then years later I wrote the book and, you know, and now it's this worldwide movement with, about a half million people uh, from what we can track every day, do their miracle morning. And, you know, the results are, are really amazing. Mm -hmm. That's an awesome story. And it makes sense in terms of having engaged some of these practices. And I love the gumption. It's like, hey, I'm gonna do all of them. So you put this together into a schnazzy acronym, SAVERS, yeah. standing for these six steps of silence, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading, and scribing, which just means writing. Yeah, I understand. You got to make the acronym work. You know, no shade. It was there. my wife's idea for an acronym. I was writing the book one day and I was frustrated. I go, sweetie, Stephen Covey's got the seven habits of highly affected people. And Robert Kiyosaki's got the cash flow quadrant, right? These, these, these gurus always create this memorable, you know, system. And I said, <laughs> I got these six hodgepodge practices that I didn't invent any of them. And she goes, sweetheart, why don't you get it? Calm down, first of all, because I was all stressed. She goes, why don't you get a thesaurus? and see if you can find other words with the same meaning and make an acronym. So yeah, it, the acronym is a huge part of it and, and she gets all the credit for that. That's good. So I guess along with that then, I'd love to dig into each of these practices and just hear a little bit in terms of what it means and then like the best practice or a pitfall associated with doing it or an optimal dosage or amount of time to do sure. each of these. And, and I imagine in many ways, the answer is like, it doesn't really matter. Just do something like that and you're all good. But if there's yeah. some finer points to maximizing, well, hey, you're the expert. I want to hear them. Let's dig into silence and then the rest. Well, and here's what I'll, I'll, I'll preface all of this with. I am a very results-oriented person. And a lot of these six practices um, uh, you know, are taught in a way that's kind of woo-woo, mm -hmm. um, that makes somebody feel good while they do it, but they don't necessarily see measurable improvements in their life. And for me, that was unacceptable. Um, and so it was unacceptable in my own practice. But then especially when I wrote the book, I thought, 
you know, what I need to make these really practical and actionable, not just fluffy and airy fairy and woo woo. Right. So I will, I'll give, you know, I'll give a tip on each of these, um, in terms of how do you make it, you know, kind of practical and, and, and results oriented. Um, so the first S in savers stands for silence. And I, I'm actually really, it was originally meditation. I am really glad that it became silence because some people, their silence is prayer, right? Um, they might not want to meditate or for me, it's actually a combination of both, you know, uh, but, but meditation is really the, 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 the crux. It's the majority of my, my, my time in silence. And if you think about it, most of us, we don't have a lot of time in silence. It's usually, you know, we're, we're, it's kind of chaos from, from the time we get up and then we're in the car listening to podcasts or, uh, the radio, you know, music, something like that. And then we're at work with people and, you know, and on phone calls and, there's usually not a lot of time for kind of peaceful, purposeful silence. Um, yet that's when, when we quiet our mind, that's when our best ideas come, right? It's when we tap into our inner wisdom. We tap into the wisdom of, you know, whatever, if you want to get woo-woo for a second, right? The universe or, you know, higher intelligence, whatever you want to call it, God. And uh, so, so, but meditation, the way it's been taught, people often, you know, they, they're taught to, you know, clear your mind. And, most people, they can't do that, right? Or it's very mm -hmm. challenging and it takes somebody like years to, to get to where they can actually do that. Well, for me, I want results. I, I will use my meditation as a way to uh, set the mindset for the day. So I'll look at my schedule and I'll go, okay, what do I need to accomplish today? Uh, and, you know, it depends on what's on the agenda. Like when I was, I, I just finished writing a new book. And when I was working on that book every day, every morning, before, you know, I'd meditate before I'd write and I would go, man, I, I need ideas, <laughs> right? Like I need, I need some, I need some content for today. And so I would set my intention for the meditation. So my intention would often be, you know, okay, what am I working on? What chapter am I working on today? All right. I need ideas for this chapter. And I would just set that as an intention. And then I would meditate and I would always have my, my notes app on my phone in front of me with my timer going for, you know, 10 minutes usually is what I meditate for. And I don't think there was a single day where I wasn't flooded with six ideas where I would pause the meditation timer. I'd open up the note tab and I would write an idea and then I would go back to meditate. And then I would just sit there and I wasn't trying to think when you force thought, you don't usually get your best thought. It's in those moments. And that's why when we're in the shower, not even thinking about something, we have our best ideas. When we're falling asleep, not even thinking about something, we have our best ideas. Well, this is a way to engineer that space for your tapping into your genius every single morning so that you bring those ideas and that clarity into your day. That's one way to meditate. Another way to do it is uh, sometimes I might have a speech to, for that day and I go, I need to feel confident. I, I'm speaking and I will literally just affirm things while I am uh, while I am, uh, in my meditation and I'll just affirm things like, like, what did I do, uh, uh today? I, I chose three statements. Um, I have been having some cognitive challenges cause I just went through, uh, I'm going, I, I, I've just been finished cancer. I have, I beat cancer, but I, I, I have still have chemotherapy ongoing for maintenance. And it oh, wow. really, the, the effects to your cognitive ability are really damaging. It's, it, it, they call it chemo brain. They kind of laugh it off, but it, I mean, it really, it's a very real thing, what it does to your brain. And so I've had a lot of trouble with my memory and this and that. And so this morning I just meditated on saying I am brilliant uh, or my brain is brilliant. My memory is excellent. And I forgot what the third one was. But anyway, the point is use meditation 
not to remove thought. You can, and sometimes I'll meditate in that way where I just try to get in a state of being really loving and peaceful. But ultimately, I typically will have a specific result that I want to generate internally, either mentally or emotionally. And I will set that intention going into the meditation and I will use the meditation actively to do that. So I will think something over and over and over and over while I deeply feel it in a way that will serve me for the rest of the day. Does that, any questions? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear you. So can you give us a sample of your internal dialogue of going over and over and over again? Yeah, well, so that was the one today. Here, I'll bring it up real quick. So this morning I went, my brain is brilliant. My memory is excellent. My heart is pure. So that's, that. I just affirmed that. So what's interesting is we're about to get into the A of savers, which is affirmations, mm-hmm. but I often will combine the savers. So for example, when I get to the E in savers is exercise, while I'm exercising, I'll often do the V, which is visualization. Yeah. And I'm then making that mind-body connection and leveraging the power of both simultaneously. I'm also being efficient with time, right? Mm-hmm. So my brain is brilliant. My memory is excellent. My heart is pure. That is an affirmation, but I will meditate on that affirmation and then kind of get the benefits of both. Sometimes I will, um, I have pictures here. I'm in the room where I met where I do my miracle morning right now. And I have pictures of my, my children, my family, my wife uh, up along the wall. And sometimes I will just look at those pictures and just maybe even look at one. I'll look at my picture, my daughter, like I am right now. And I'll just, I'll just like internalize the gratitude and the love that I feel for her. And then I'll close my eyes and I'll just meditate on that for a minute or two, you know, and then I'll, my, and then I'll go to my son. And so when you say meditate on that, you're just sort of like experiencing that as opposed to letting your mind chatter in any direction. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just deeply feeling that emotion. Yeah. Just that, that experience, you know, mm-hmm. and I'll use meditation a lot. I'm, a, I'm big on gratitude. Um, I'll often use meditation. I'll, I'll simply take the emotion of gratitude or the experience of gratitude. At, at most people, when they experience gratitude, it's usually at the intellectual level. If you say, what do you grateful for? They can list things off and they feel it in their head. But there's a big difference between intellectual gratitude and deep, heartfelt, soulful gratitude at the level where it puts you in tears. Yeah. So I'll use meditation to try to get there, right? to try to get to feel that much of an emotion that serves me. And again, it's it, the emotion. Gratitude is one. It could be confidence. It could be love, right? It could be whatever. I do pray. I, I'm a big believer in the power of, you know, prayer. And uh, that's a whole nother conversation. But um, but um, prayer on the even the scientific level, uh, as well as the spiritual level. So a lot of times I'll use my silence as prayer. And I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll just for me, it's very fluid. It, there is no right or wrong. And that's probably the biggest, here's the biggest key. Let me, let me, uh, whether we close with this for this portion, but when it comes to silence, if you're at all overwhelmed by meditation or anything <laughs> like that, set a timer on your phone for 10 minutes and be in silence for 10 minutes. That's it. The only way you can fail is if you judge yourself for any part of your experience. If you go, oh, I shouldn't be having these thoughts. Oh, I shouldn't be thinking. Oh, I shouldn't be feeling this way. Oh, I shouldn't have thought of that way. That's the only way you can fail at silence is to, to, to judge your experience. Mm-hmm. If you just sit there in silence, you cannot help but get value. Number one, it lowers your cortisol levels 
which, right, cortisol is the fear and the stress chemical in your body, the hormone that causes fear, that causes stress. When you sit in silence, it's scientifically proven. There are over 1,400 scientific studies that prove the benefits of meditation. It's scientifically proven that when you sit in silence, it lowers your cortisol. Now, granted, if you are intentionally thinking stressful thoughts, I don't know that that would achieve that objective, right? And that's where judging yourself is a stressful thought. So, um, the, uh, but yeah, if you sit in silence, you will lower your stress. You'll gain clarity. New insights will, will come into your mind, you know, your mind and, and, and you'll get better with practice. Your first day in silence is your worst day in silence, right? Mm-hmm. And every day that you do it, you'll stumble upon new levels of consciousness, new ways of feeling, thinking, being, you know, that once you grab them, you can then get there quicker, easier, stay there longer. And the benefits of spending time in silence will simply be amplified and, and deepened over time. Yeah, that's great. So then with the silence, like what makes it silence is just that you're not actively reading something, listening to something, tap it away on your phone or in motion. So you are seated and you maybe have your eyes closed. And you're just sort of letting your own internal self be the focus. Yeah, exactly. I, I like to sit up straight. So I bought a meditation pillow on Amazon a few months back. That's been big. There's oh, yeah? something about just having a, it was like $29.99 or something. There you go. Having a spot, you know, that I specifically go to meditate. Because before I would, I got lazy with my meditation where I was doing it on the couch. It kind of slouched over. If there's any wrong way to meditate, really the big one is judging yourself for the experience, thinking that you're doing it wrong. You're not, as long as you're in silence, you're not doing it wrong. And if you have a negative thought, just let it pass and focus on something positive, right? Um, But if there is another, if there's a wrong way to meditate beyond judging yourself, it is your posture, right? When you sit slouched over, laying down, your, you know, your your breath slows, you're, you're not you want to find the balance between relaxation and alertness, attentiveness, right? So sitting up straight, sitting tall, breathing deeply, right? Like being really alert and aware, but very calm and relaxed. That's the, that's the ideal state for that silence. And like you said, yeah, it just means that there's no stimuli. There's no stimuli where you're not focused on something. That's why closing your eyes is good. Now there are ways of meditating where you can have your eyes open and sometimes it will open my eyes. Like I said, I'll look at the pictures of my family or I'll look at a beautiful picture of a sunset, sunrise that puts me in a really nice state. But yeah, everything that you said is correct. Just doing, you know, just have, and by the way, setting a timer is the other piece I was going to mention is that, you know, so you don't have to think, am I, how long am I doing? Am I doing it long enough? Should I do it long, right? <laughs> don't be checking the clock. Just have your timer set. Uh, and that way, you know, hey, I'm free for 10 minutes to not think about anything or think about it, just whatever. I'm free for 10 minutes just to sit here in silence and I'm not going to lose track of time because that timer is going to go off when it's time for me to get up and do my, you know, affirmations or whatever's next in your miracle morning. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Cool. Well, so yeah, let's talk about the affirmations next in the miracle morning. So what do you mean by that? And what do you not mean by that? Yeah. So I'm biased in that I'm often asked, do you have a favorite of the savers? And the politically correct answer would be, no, they're all equally important. Right. Um, but the answer is affirmations are my favorite by far. Um, affirmations are, uh, first, let me just say, I believe they've been taught incorrectly uh, by or ineffectively, I should say, by um, self-help gurus, if you will, for, I don't know, decades. Um, and I don't know how long. Um, but let me define what an affirmation is. And then we'll, I'll talk about why they've been taught wrong and, 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 and what I find is the most effective way to do them. 
an affirmation is simply a written statement that directs your focus towards something of value, right? Now, you could write affirmations that were negative, like that were not of value, but let's uh, obviously we're not, that's not our objective or we're, we have written statements that direct your focus towards something of value. Um, the way affirmations have been taught, there are two problems with the way they've been taught for, you know, guys, like decades, I don't know, centuries, I don't know how long. Number one is a form of affirmation that's essentially lying to yourself, trying to trick yourself into believing something that is not true or is not yet true. So for example, let's say you want to be a millionaire. Well, a lot of self-help ex, you know, pioneers have taught just put the words I am in front of whatever you want to be and say that to yourself until you believe it. So you say, I am a millionaire. I am a millionaire. I am a millionaire. But you, we all know the truth. We know our truth. And if you're not, we're not a millionaire, we want to be a millionaire. When we say I'm a millionaire, our subconscious or even our conscious mind is going to go, no, you're not. You're lying, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and then you're fighting with reality, which is never ideal. The truth will always prevail. So you go, I am a millionaire. And your, sub, your brain goes, no, you're not. You're not even close. And you're like, shut up. I'm doing my affirmations, right? So number one problem with affirmations, the way they've been taught is lying to yourself is not optimal. The second problem with affirmations, the way they've been taught is that um, self-help pioneers have taught you to use flowery passive language. So we'll stick on the topic of finances. You may have heard this affirmation. It's very popular uh, or some variation of this. I am a money magnet. Money flows to me effortlessly and in abundance, right? And, and a lot of people say that affirmation and they really like it. And I believe they like it because it makes them feel good in the moment. They go, man, I checked my bank balance this morning and it was negative. So I need some affirmations to make me feel better. I'm a money magnet. Oh, that feels good. Money's flowing to me effortlessly. All my financial problems will be taken care of by the universe or whatever. It's like, no, that's not how money works, right? It's not yeah. effortless. You know, that's very rare. Go buy a lotto ticket, hope, you know, but that's not going to happen most, most likely. Um, the way that money's created is by you adding value to the world or to the marketplace, and then you're compensated for that value, right? So I'll, I'll give you an example of how to use affirmations in a way that is not based in lying to yourself or in this passive language that makes you feel good in the moment, but takes your responsibility away from creating the results that you want. There's four steps to create affirmations that produce results. Number one is affirm what you're committed to. So don't say I'm a millionaire or not even I want to be a millionaire. Say I'm committed to becoming a millionaire. All right. Maybe even add and win, right? By, by the time I'm 40 or 50 or whatever, or in the next 12 months or 24 months or whatever, right? So start with number one, what am I committed to, right? Uh, it's very different when you affirm something you're committed to versus something that you think you are or want to be that you know you're not, right? Uh, the second thing is why is that deeply meaningful to you? So after you affirm what you're committed to, reinforce, remind yourself, why is that deeply meaningful to you? If you want to become a millionaire, was well, why? Is it because you want to buy financial freedom for your family? Because you want to buy fancy cars, right? Depending on how meaningful it really is, right? That's going to determine how much leverage you have over yourself to actually do the things necessary to get you there. And that's number three is affirm what specifically you're committed to doing that will ensure your success, right? So what are the activities you're committed to that will ensure your success, so I'm committed to increasing my income to $100,000 a year and saving 50% or, or whatever, right? Get very specific on the activities that you're going to do. 
when I was in sales, I would affirm how many phone calls I was committed to making every day because I knew if I made that number of phone calls, uh, my success was inevitable. I, I couldn't fail. The average would work themselves out if I made my phone calls every day. And then the fourth part of the affirmation formula is when specifically are you committed to implementing those activities? So when are you going to make your phone calls? When are you going to run, you know, run every day to lose that weight? When are you going to take your significant other out on a date or tell them you love them or like what and when are you going, what are the activities? When are you going to do them? So those four steps, what are you committed to? Why is it deeply meaningful to you? What activities are you committed to doing that will ensure your success? And then when specifically are you committed to doing those activities? Those are the four steps to create what I call miracle morning affirmations and miracle morning affirmations are practical and they're results oriented and they reinforce the commitments that you need to stick to, to ensure that you achieve the results that you want to achieve in your life. Mm-hmm. I dig it. Well, we're having fun here, but could I get perhaps the one minute version of the visualization, the exercise, <laughs> the reading and the scribing? Yeah, I'm long winded. So thank you for setting me up. I appreciate that. Um, visualization. Here's what I'll say. Two things on it. Number one is the, the world's best athletes. Almost all of them use visualization, including UFC fighters, right? Uh-huh. And there's a reason for that. It's they visualize themselves performing optimally and achieving their goals so that they go there mentally and emotionally before they ever step on the court or before they ever open the book or before they ever write. They've already gone there in their mind. So when it's real time, when it's game time, when it's practice time, it's that much easier to go there. And the other thing I'll say on visualization is don't just visualize the end result. Visualize, in fact, more important, Visualize the activity. See yourself getting on the phone to make those calls. See yourself opening your computer to write those words that's going to make that into a book. See yourself going to the gym or lacing up your running shoes and heading at your front door, especially if you don't feel like it or you don't like doing those things. See yourself doing it with a smile on your face in a way that's appealing. And when I was training for my ultra marathon, I hated running. So every morning I visualized myself enjoying running. And because I did it in the morning in my living room, When it was time to run, I actually had already created this anticipation that I would want to do it. And then I actually felt that when it was time to go for a run. And that's the power in visualization. Oh, that's great. Now, when you say visualize yourself, I'm thinking almost like dreams, you know, sometimes they're first person, sometimes they're third person. Like, do you visualize like you're seeing yourself from a third person vantage point putting on the shoes? You can do both, but I usually do, yeah, first person Mm -hmm. and then... I mean, or, or no, third person where I okay. see myself from the outside, right? So I see myself like I'm watching a movie of myself, yeah. right? Part of that movie will involve me looking in the mirror usually, right? Like that's part of it uh, almost always. The dramatic montage music. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And yeah, and feel free to play the music, right? I mean, yeah. like literally play that music on your, you know, on your phone while you're doing the visualization. A lot of people do that. Um, the E is for exercise. And here's what I'll say is that if you like to, well, if you don't exercise at all, this appeal this applies to you. If you exercise, if you already go, dude, I go to the gym after work or on my lunch break or I like to run in the evenings. It's my, right? This still applies to you. And here's why. I'm not telling you that you need to switch your gym time to the morning. What I'm telling you is that the benefits of exercising in the morning, even for 60 seconds, okay? If you're sitting on the couch going, oh, I know I should, you know, I don't have any energy. I'm so tired. Stand up and do 60 seconds of jumping jacks. I promise you, at the end of the 60 seconds, you'll be breathing hard, 
your your blood will be flowing throughout your lymph system, your bo- your you know your brain, your body, right? The oxygen, your cells will be oxygenated. You'll feel ten times more awake than you did before you did those sixty seconds of jumping jacks. So I in the morning do usually do stretching followed by a seven minute workout, and that's an app on the phone. It's also on YouTube. It's totally free. I highly recommend it. It's a full body workout in seven minutes and it's fast paced. So you get cardio as well as strength training, as well as stretching and flexibility. Uh, so that's what I recommend in the morning. What's the video or the app called? Seven minute workout. Number seven minute workout. It's just called seven minute workout. Okay. That's easy. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Um, and there's, there's a few different apps. I use the free version. Um, and then the, uh, actually I, although I subscribe to the monthly version to open up all the different exercises and different workouts and this and that, but the R is for reading. And I don't need to say much on this is that we're all, every single one of us is one book away, you know, whatever topic we want to improve in our life. We're one book away from learning everything that we need to learn to improve that area of our life. Want to be happy. There's a book on that. In fact, there's hundreds want to have an amazing marriage. There's a book on that. In fact, there's hundreds do you want to be a millionaire or be wealthy and financially free? There's hundreds of books on that, right? In fact, so I just made a documentary called The Miracle Morning. It reveals the morning rituals of some of the world's most successful people. And in that is uh, world, world-class world entrepreneur Joe Polish. And he said that, he goes, when I meet someone and I say, what's the best book you've read in the last year? And they go, well, I, I, I don't read. I haven't read a book. He said, it blows my mind that in places where people have access to books and they know how to read, and therefore they have access to everything they need to know to transform anything in their life to be at the most extraordinary level it could be, he said, it blows my mind that people aren't reading every single day. Why aren't you reading every day? It could be five or 10 minutes a day. It doesn't have to be a long time. You read, you think about it. If you read 10 pages a day, that's 300 pages a month, Right. And no, 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 let's say five pages a day. That's 150 pages a month, right? That's one self-help book a month, 12 a year. You're a different person. You're separating yourself from 95% of our society and you're joining the top 5% that reads those books because you're learning everything you need to to, to transform any area of your life. Um, any questions on reading? And then we can dive into the last one. That's great, no? Okay, the final S is the word scribing and that's a pretentious word for writing, <laughs> but I needed an S for the, uh, the final, you know, the final part of the savers to, to round out the acronym. And, uh, and for me, journaling is, you know, this is where, you know, goal setting is, is involved in scribing. That's, that, that's under that umbrella. Um, journaling is what I would, what I would, you know, that's what I would be my scribing. And I use an app called five minute journal. They also make a hardcover version. If you prefer to write by hand, you could also just write, you know, freehand on a piece of paper. Um, the five minute journal, I like it because it's uh, scientifically researched and it's very simple and takes five minutes. And it's simply pre prompted uh, statements or questions. And there's just a few. So in the morning, it's three things I'm grateful for. And the three most important things that I need to do today to make today a great day, right? I don't know if it's worded that exact words, but that's paraphrasing, right? How do I, you know, of all my things on my to-do list, what are the three that will make the biggest difference in my life, my business, et cetera? And so every morning I start by focusing on three things I'm grateful for, which remind me that my life's already amazing. It doesn't matter what's going on outside of me. If I focus on internally what I have to be grateful for, 
everything is, you know, there's always things to feel amazing about. There's always things to complain about. What we focus on is our, becomes our reality. So I start with gratitude and then I look at my to-do list. I look at my goals and I go, okay, of the, you know, the infinite things I could work on today and out of the 20 things that are on my, you know, my goal and to-do list, what are the three that will, that will make the biggest impact for me right now and move me forward toward my most important goals? And you think about it, you know, most people, we just, we don't take the time to just get that level of clarity. It only takes a couple of minutes, but it's a game changer because here's the problem. Most of us are busy every day. We're busy and being busy tricks our brain into thinking we're being productive, but productive isn't busy. Productive is busy doing the things that move us toward our biggest goals, our greatest dreams, the life that we truly want to live and the impact we truly want to make. And, um, that simple act of scribing every morning, forcing your brain to clarify it in writing, what are those top three, you know, priorities that is, you know, for me, that's been a game changer and it's allowed me to make massive progress on these goals that once were just fantasies that I never even thought, you know, really believed I could accomplish, like making a documentary, like what, that, that was a fantasy. I didn't know how to do that. And, you know, and, and now we just debuted at a film festival and that'll come out probably later this year, you know. And that's a lot of that is because of, you know, it's all because of the savers. It's all because of this process, reinforcing the beliefs through, you know, meditation, through silence and affirmations and visualization and all, all of these practices all combine to really create optimal physical, mental, emotional and, and spiritual uh, kind of capacity every day that will allow you to become the level 10 person that you need to be, if you will, on a scale of one to 10 to create the level 10 life that, that you want and that, you know, I believe that all of us really deserve. Mm, that is beautiful. Thank you. Well, Hal, tell me anything else you want to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things. The point is that the savers, any one of them will change your life. But if you can implement, you know, try them all for a month. I always say do the 30 day challenge, the Miracle Morning 30 day challenge, do them all for a month, either five minutes each for a half an hour total routine or 10 minutes each for an hour routine. Uh, you know, and then, and then you'll have a real experience to go, okay, do you want to keep doing all six of these? Maybe only four of them really resonate with you. You only want to do four, maybe three, right? Maybe five. I don't know. But try them all and, uh, and, and see what happens. Awesome. Well, now could you share with us a favorite book? One of my favorite books is called Vision to Reality. Uh, in fact, I'm going to give you two and they're by the same author because I just got her new book. Vision to Reality is her first, or I think it was her first book, or no, it's her second book by Honoré Corder. Her new book is called Stop Trying So Effing Hard, mm-hmm. Live Authentically, Design a Life You Love and Be Happy. It's in my hand right now. I'm reading it about halfway through. I am loving this book. So she's a great author. She's written like 25 books. And uh, yeah, her original vision to reality has been a favorite for a long time, but I think the new one might surpass that. It's called Stop Trying So Effing Hard. <laughs> and how about a favorite tool? Favorite tool would be the app I mentioned earlier, the five-minute journal app. That's one of my favorite. I put one picture every day and it allows me to capture my life every day for the past few years that I've used it. And, uh, you know, reflecting on that's really, really meaningful. Mm-hmm. And a uh, favorite nugget, something you share that really seems to connect and resonate with folks. The biggest thing is, um, you know, we all usually have this monkey on our back of urgency, like, man, I want to be where that guy is or where she is. I, I want, you know, man, I, I have all these goals and dreams. I want to be there now. And it, it, it creates this feeling of like, scarcity where we're not where we want to be. And what I've found not only in my own life and, but studying other people is that when anytime you find yourself wishing or wanting that you were further along that you are, 
just realize that when you finally get to the point that you've been working so hard for so long, you almost never wish it would have happened any sooner. Huh. Instead, you look back and you see the timing and the journey were perfect. All the adversity, all the challenges, it all played a part in you becoming the person that you needed to be to get where you want to go. So if you can take that hindsight and bring it into your life now, use that to be at peace. No matter where you are right now, no matter what's going on, no matter difficult or whatever is going on, be at peace with where you are every day along that journey while you simultaneously maintain a healthy sense of urgency to take action every day to get where you want to go. But but don't get there out of a feeling of stress and anxiety and I'm not where I want to be. Just embrace where you are. If you're alive, you're perfect, right? No matter what's going on around you, all that matters is what's going on inside you. So be at peace with where you are and take steps every day to get where you want to go. Mm-hmm. And if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them? Go to miraclemorning.com. That's probably the best place. There's a bunch of resources there. You can put in your name and email and get the first few chapters of the book for free. You can get an, uh, it comes also with an audio training for free on the Miracle Morning, a video training for free. And of course, the book uh, on Amazon, you can get the audio book, the paperback, the Kindle, you know, that's probably the best place to buy it. Beautiful. And do you have a final challenge or call to action for folks seeking to be awesome at their jobs? Yeah, you know, here's the thing is to be awesome at your job, I think to be awesome at anything, it's really about who you are as a person. There's so many components to that. There's your knowledge, your your uh, emotional intelligence, your physical energy, the enthusiasm that you bring, right? There's, there's, there's many components to who you are. Um, and then to me, that's what the Miracle Morning is, is it's dedicating time every day to become better. You know, not that there's anything wrong with you, but we all have unlimited potential as a human being. So if you want to get better at your job, become a better version of you. Dedicate time every day to your personal development. And here's the thing. It doesn't have to be in the morning. You could do a miracle evening if you wanted, right? Just dedicate that time so that every day you become better than you were the day before. You become more knowledgeable. You lower your stress. You increase your belief in yourself, your confidence, right? All the things the Miracle Morning does for you you do that every day and you can't help but be cut, bring a better version of you to work every single day. Beautiful. Well, Hal, this has been a real treat. Thanks for unpacking this and getting some finer distinctions. I wish you and the Miracle Morning and Documentary and all you're up to, tons of luck. Pete, man, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me on. And for those of you listening, I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, and please leave a review for Pete on uh, iTunes. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I really appreciate Hal's wisdom here, and I really appreciate our sponsors. Check them out. I really appreciated Hal's take on some of the finer points of these habits. Like you may have heard like, oh, yeah, 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 affirmations. But he goes into some detail in terms of like, I am committed to this for this reason, as opposed to just sort of saying something silly like, I am a millionaire, or my body fat percentage is 9%. I am super fit, you know, but rather say, hey, I'm committed to this for these reasons. Likewise with the visualization, to visualize the process. So you're getting kind of fired up and amped about it and not sort of a resistance-free universe in which your results are coming effortlessly to you. And silence, how that can take multiple formats and each is powerful, but what makes silence count as silence. So I think those finer distinctions make a world of difference. And I hope that you're inspired to renew some of these habits if you've done them in the past or pick up one more to kind of round out the savers portfolio and just do a little bit more so that you can reap those rewards of having an outstanding day right from the get-go. 
and the start of your morning. So if you want to check out the show notes or transcript or links to items we've referenced, it's at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep357. And if you haven't already, I hope you'll push the subscribe button in your app of choice. If you do, you'll hear from our next guest. It is Dr. Nick Morgan coming back for round two. It's been about 300 episodes <laughs> since we've had him. And he's got a new book and it's all about how we use remote technologies to communicate, whether that's a conference call or a Skype or Zoom or whatever, and the impacts of this. This is pretty cool because Dr. Nick Morgan is one of the most legendarily famous and well-regarded speech coaches in the world. And he's really cool. And he's got a scientific explanation for why conference calls are boring, which I just thought really cracked me up and makes a ton of sense. Until next time, peace. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To get the most out of this conversation, visit awesomeatyourjob.com to find today's show notes, transcript, and infographic summary cheat sheet. For more entertaining professional skill sharpening, be sure to subscribe to catch the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job. 